National Catholic Register. This is Register Radio, bringing light and clarity to the news and topics that affect your life. School days are back, and with it is college football. Ahead of college football season's week one, the Register talked to the Fighting Irish's new coach, Marcus Freeman, about faith, fatherhood, and Notre Dame football. I'm Jeanette DeMello, Editor-in-Chief and Executive Director of the National Catholic Register and your host here on Register Radio. I'm joined today by two members of the Register's editorial team, Senior Editor Jonathan Liedel, who interviewed Marcus Freeman, and Digital Assets Managing Editor Elisa Murphy, who helped produce the content for online and for this um, radio hearing. Jonathan, you had a fun conversation with Marcus Freeman done over a video call. Zoom, I think, um, August 16th, weeks before this big game this weekend with Ohio State University. So before we listen to that, give us, like me, who are not diehard college fans, my my, uh, brothers would would really hate me saying that on air, but um, (laughs) give us a little bio about Coach Freeman. For sure, yeah. So Coach Freeman is in his first year uh, as head coach of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish football team. He is young. He is dynamic. He's only 36 years old, which, you know, I think he might be one of the youngest head coaches in college football. So not too far removed from his own playing days. Actually, he played college football at Ohio State, the team that now he's leading Notre Dame up against this Saturday, uh, and then played in the NFL as well. Um, So yeah, he's just a He's a young, dynamic coach. He's a man of faith as well. And I I think he's really got uh, Irish fans excited uh, for this year and beyond. Very good. And and so in your article, which our, our listeners can go to ncregister.com and, and search Marcus Freeman, and they'll get a few articles. Um, but in your most recent interview with him, you mentioned in the introduction that he's got a couple of wins already on the scar- scorecard before any official games have even started. What are you referring to? Yeah, that, that's right. Uh, well, of course, the opening game is this weekend, but uh, he's already having uh, a lot of success. I think, first off, in recruiting, uh, he has has been absolutely um, kind of striking gold uh, in, in the, you know, the recruiting for, for young student athletes to come play football at Notre Dame. He actually, right now, Notre Dame has the number three recruiting class in the nation, which is kind of a big deal because there's this reputation that Notre Dame has given its, you know, kind of higher academic standards and then some of the player conduct standards that, that come with being a Catholic university. Uh, there's a reputation that, that kind of prevents it from getting top talent. And in fact, the previous coach, Brian Kelly, who sort of left in the middle of the night, like right you know, before the, the big bowl game at the end of the year to go to LSU down in Louisiana. Yeah. Uh, he cited, yeah, you, I know you know LSU and Louisiana well, Jeanette, but uh, he cited the limitations in recruiting at Notre Dame as a reason why he wanted to leave. So for Brian Kelly to have that number three class is a big deal. He actually told me, and th- these might be fighting words, but he said, he said he believes that he has a monopoly on college football in terms of recruiting, because not only can he say Notre Dame is a storied program with some some decent success recently, but it's also a top-notch uh, academic program and really a place of formation that that's going to set you up uh, for life. Uh, so that's one one of those wins. Uh, and then the other ones, though, I think are kind of off the field. I, I you know the article I wrote they have more to do with the X's and O's of life. I think one thing uh, he's done that a lot of the Notre Dame community and Catholics around the country love is he has made a point of inviting. Uh, his wife, uh, Joanna, and their their six kids, when it makes sense to come to practice, to be around the team facility. 
And he said part of it is, you know, sort of uh, personally uh, motivated, right? He's got a super busy schedule, so he wants to maximize the time he can spend with his wife and kids. But another reason is because he really wants to model, right, for his players what it looks like to be a father and a husband. He said before, you know, some of the, the student athletes, some of the guys on the team, they might not have that male role, role model in their own lives. Um, so he really sees that uh, as, as kind of an integral part of what he's doing as a coach, not just preparing people, you know, to, to execute on the field, but also for life. And then the final one, which Notre Dame fans, uh, you know, love and are, are really excited about is he's restored uh, the, the tradition, the game day tradition of mass for the team before the game. And then they walk out of the uh, God Country Notre Dame doors over to the stadium. So the previous coach, Brian Kelly, he'd moved that to Friday night before the game. You know, it's one move that that kind of Brian Kelly's tenure, I think, was marked by this sort of professionalizing the Notre Dame football team, kind of getting away from some of these traditions and and almost running it like an NFL team. So, uh, you know, Marcus Freeman, he, he restored uh, that not just tradition, but really that opportunity for prayer and worship before the game. I asked him about that because he's talked about it before, and he went a little deeper, and he said, you know, when he remembers his own days as a college football player, those hours before the game is when you're you're kind of wired, right? You're kind of like open to anything, right? You're Whatever your coach says, you're going to hang on every word. So he told me, you know, what better time is there to have mass? What better time is there to, to listen to, you know, whatever all the words coming out of the priest's mouth and uh, – you know, to be as close to God as you can, um, which, I, you know, again, I think it just underscores that he's he's about winning games on the field. Yes. But I think he's also definitely about um, helping these players uh, really in their formation as young men. Jonathan, in full disclosure, you're a Notre Dame uh, uh, alumni, right? So you've you've been there. You know that we can't really trust your opinion when we're talking about <laughs> Notre Dame football. But Elisa, you know, our audience really does seem to care about Notre Dame and it's kind of like, you know, why do they care so much? They're not, um, they didn't go to school there. So what are, what do you think the reason is that people really care about coach Freeman and, and about Notre Dame? You know, it's interesting. Uh, I myself, um, married a Penn Stater. So that makes me uh, by default, a Penn Stater, uh, also a Nittany Lion fan. And I'll tell you, Jeanette, um, I played division one soccer and, but never really went to a school that had a real hardcore football team and schools that do, it is a serious sport and it's serious for the athletes as well as for everybody on campus. Um, and also even in other schools, this role that the coaches end up playing not only as coach, but father, I think coach Freeman really speaks to that, uh, so boldly and so beautifully. Um, and also of course, just Notre Dame in and of itself as a, uh, academic institution, as Jonathan was saying, I mean, we look at, uh, the De Nic- uh, De center for ethics, uh, Carter Sneed's group, what they're doing. There's so many great online forums. So such great public engagement. They also have a mom uh, and kids initiative kind of in light of walking with moms in need kind of in our post row world we're living in. So just a level upon level of so many great things that uh, Notre Dame is doing. And Jonathan, I completely agree with you that reinstating the game day mass uh, is a complete game changer. And I have to say, as a convert myself, I went to a, a, a St. Mary's in California, really known for their um, their basketball team. But I remember going to mass as a Christian and mm. not understanding what 
Catholicism really was, just thinking it was church. And a whole world was open to me. So Coach Freeman talks specifically about Christians and Catholics going to Mass together. And we can only imagine what kind of conversion of hearts we might see just in that one act. I think that's precisely part of the interest here is that there there is all of this tradition and as coach Freeman he's a Christian but you know his wife and kids are catholic he's there he's helping the kid uh the the, the students he coaches um to actually focus on mass first and Jesus first um on things that are more important than football um and and he really believes that's going to have a positive influence and let let's us pray that too that it has a has a real influence on on catholic culture the catholic culture can have a real influence on these people and draw them closer to Christ and the church. Let's listen to what Jonathan and Coach Freeman talked about. I don't know if you've heard the saying before, but there's a saying that for American Catholics, uh, the Notre Dame football coach is the second most important leader. uh, And the (laughs) the most important is the Pope. So I'm just wondering, what do you what do you make of that stepping into this role, um, you know, leading this squad that has so much tradition behind it and represents, you know, not just a student body or a state, but, but kind of the Catholic community in the U.S.? Sometimes it's a great reminder of the privilege and the opportunity you have to lead this football program. Um, and we all need reminders, you know. Um, it's the same thing when you talk about being the first – Asian American or African American coach and all these, you know, other things. It's great reminders for me. My daily inspiration, why I come to work every day is the players. It's to help these young people reach their goals. And that's their current goals. That's their future goals. They don't even know about, but Mm -hmm. that's why I come to work every day is to help them reach their goals. And, And I hope a result of every day pushing these guys to reach their goal is to open doors for the next Asian American, African American coach, the being a great representation for the Catholic community, being um, you know all these different different things that that come along with being a head coach at Notre Dame. But I think if you you, you approach each day with oh my gosh, you got all these different responsibilities and different um, expectations from people, that it can become overwhelming. My focus is very similar. It's the players serving mm-hmm. our players helping them reach their goals. And a result of that, hopefully, is they, they come here to be a national champion. Well, that's one of their goals, and that's my job is to do everything in my power to help them do that, to become NFL draft picks, to become successful husbands, successful fathers. And so that's my daily approach for sure. Awesome. You know, you talked about being uh, successful husbands and fathers, and I think, you know, one of the things that you've implemented that that a lot of the, the Notre Dame community kind of loves is bringing your your wife and kids to practice when that makes sense. And, uh, you know, encouraging your your other coaches to do so with their families. So what's the idea behind that? And how does that that fit into maybe your broader philosophy of what you're doing as a coach? Because winning is important, but I'm wondering how how something like that fits in, too. Yeah, um, for me, it's again the time demands on being a coach are, are extremely high. And if I could spend five, 10 minutes with my kids at practice or post-practice or in the office, I want to, I want to be able to do that. I want to be able to blend uh, my family with the football family that I have here. But the other part of that is making sure that our players see us outside of just being coaches. I want them to see us as fathers and as husbands, because those lessons that they learn from watching us will last forever. 
they'll last an eternity in terms of um, what they view what a father and a husband is like. And so I think it was important not just for me to say that, but for me to do it, to promote it. And for our other coaches to understand it's okay. Like I've been around coaches, head coaches that say one thing, but they really don't mean it. Hmm. You know, I want to be the coach that says, no, I say, bring your families around, bring your families around. Don't feel some, don't, don't feel hesitant to do that. I want your families to feel like they can come to any practice, come to the office and be a part of what we're doing. Beautiful. Do you think it's maybe easier to do something like that at a place like Notre Dame where the kind of faith family uh, is hopefully part of our, our identity and what we're doing? Uh, I would hope, I would hope it's promoted, but I think, it just comes down to the leader. It comes down to who you are as a leader and uh, what type of culture and atmosphere you're really, really trying to promote. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Well, well, speaking of your family, uh, now correct me if I'm wrong uh, on any of this, but you're, so you're, you're a Christian, not Catholic, but your wife, Joanna, uh, is Catholic and your kids are, are baptized Catholic, being raised Catholic. So I'm just wondering when you, when you, you know, first come as defensive coordinator, then step into head coach at a place like Notre Dame, uh, what's your own kind of experience sort of being surrounded by Catholics at home? Um, yeah. And is that, is that kind of uh, helpful? You know, I, your boss at Notre Dame is a priest, right? Father, Father Jenkins. Yeah. So, I mean, is the exposure you had to that um, at home, is that, does that kind of help it make sense? Yeah, I think that it was something I really didn't know much about before I got here, you know, and I think you have this perception of what the Catholic faith is and, oh man, they have this thing called mass and you have all these different um, routines that the, you go to, you know, you, you participate in at mass and it's a, it's not, I said, Catholics are Christians and that's the, the best thing about it. you go to mass and, and, you know, our entire team goes to mass, Catholic or not Catholic. And, and you realize we are all embracing and, and believing in Jesus Christ as our savior. And so that's important for me. Um, it's important for, I want our guys to be curious. I want our guys to wonder about what it means to be Catholic. I want our guys to wonder about what it means to embrace Jesus Christ. And, and I think that's part of our religion is that there's never full understanding. And I think our God wants it that way. And so we continue to find ways to, learn more and to dive deeper into our Christianity faith. Mm, yeah. You got to stay, stay humble, kind of stay, stay hungry. Um, speaking of mass, you know, obviously uh, you know, you haven't played your first game yet, but I keep on thinking that you're getting all these wins off the field just with like the fan base. Uh, so bringing the family to, to practice and then, uh, you know, restoring the the game day tradition of mass at the Basilica and then walking over to the stadium. Um, so you've expressed kind of before why that was important to you. I don't know if you you saw Robbie Toma, a former former player. Um, you know, he kind of had a comment that it's hard to flip the game switch on maybe after after going to mass. That was his thought. So I don't know. I guess I'm just wondering. Um, yeah, why was that important to you? And does it does it maybe connect what you do on the field with the rest of life? Or what was the idea behind it? Well, it was something that I remember. Um, I remember as a recruit seeing the players walk out of the Basilica um, from Mass to um, the stadium. And I thought it was something that was always done until I got here last year and I realized it wasn't. And so it was something when I became the head coach I didn't want to change back to. And 
my reason is because I, I think back to being a player and you're so vulnerable um, those three, four hours before a game. Like mm. you think about when you have a meeting and your coach gives you a, a, a pregame speech. This is hours before a game. Like you're you're on your the edge of your seat just hanging on to every word that he says. And to me, like what better time to to go and have mass? What better time to be able to really be on the edge of your seat to get get together every word that comes out of the the priest's his mouth and, and to be as close as to God as you can. And if you're any type of competitor, when the foot hits the ball, you know, you're going to be ready to roll. Uh, I don't need to be – I don't want them to be ready three hours before the game. Mm. I want them ready at game time. And that's going to be part of the message is, like, let's be calm today before the storm. Like, when the foot hits the ball – or surrounded by competitors. If you can't flip the switch and you can't get ready, then this isn't probably isn't the place or the game for you, you know? And so I don't care if you, whenever somebody puts a ball down and says, let's compete, our guys are going to compete. And so uh, that's a, a big reason why I decided to do that. Yeah, that's beautiful. I remember in high school, everyone uh, listened to Metallica before the games and what, and I was kind of, it wasn't really my thing. So maybe you'll start a trend where people listen to Gregorian chant <laughs> before their, their Friday night football games or, or whatnot. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I'm curious also kind of uh, going back to your family, um, you know, in the Catholic world, having six kids isn't necessarily that atypical, but kind of in the broader, broader world, it definitely is. So I'm just wondering, yeah, what's your greatest joy about having having a big family, and how maybe do you think it helps you, you know, lead lead a, a big a big football team? Yeah, I mean, it's sometimes you you take it for granted. It's when you you look back at those pictures, and and I know on my iPad, like those memories come up of your kids, and you realize how fast time goes, and you know, you have to remind yourself to try to have an impact on your kids as much as you can because they're going to be gone before you know you know our we have a ninth grader now that was mm. just a baby yesterday and so um listen hopefully my greatest impact on my kids is that they know that their dad sacrificed and, and did everything he could to make sure they have a a really successful future and that they could achieve anything they want to achieve um you know i don't pick and choose to be away from my family just because i i want to you know, it's a part of the sacrifice that I've decided I want to do to help my family at home, um, you know, have success and also to help these kids that I'm involved with have success. And so mm -hmm. that's important to me. Um, again, how does it affect you being a leader of, of 120 kids? It's the same thing is that, again, what are you do, doing on a daily basis to make sure that you're trying to help the people around you have success? Like, that's what it's about. Man. It's about helping these people um, figure out ways to achieve goals that maybe they couldn't even imagine. And, and, and that's as a father, that's as a football coach, that's as a leader of a football program. Like every day, that's a mindset. Mm. Have you I mean, you speak about that. So with such conviction, I'm wondering, you know, can you point to either, you know, at your time at, at Cincinnati or, or defensive coordinator or Notre Dame? Have there been those kinds of stories where where you can say, yeah, I, I helped someone achieve something they couldn't even imagine when that when they showed up? Um, yeah. Do you have any yeah. experiences like that? I mean, I got plenty of them, but I remember that's what 
kind of changed my mindset in coaching. I got into coaching because I loved football and I, and I knew I wasn't going to be able to keep playing football. And, and I said, okay, I want to stay around the game of football and, and be on the sidelines. And then I remember a kid I was coaching at Ohio State as a GA, all of a sudden you give them these tip sheets and they go and they have a sack or make a big play. And it just gave you such a feeling of, um, of, of satisfaction because you helped that kid achieve his goal, you know, and, and, that's when I learned that, okay, this thing's about helping others. This thing about making sure other people reach their goals. This isn't about me and me being on top of a pedestal saying I'm the best at what I do. No, this is about helping others reach those goals. And, um, you know, you get the, those texts that you get from former players that just, thanks, coach. I appreciate you. Thanks for pushing me. Thanks for the lessons that you taught me. Like, that's why you do it. It's not, thanks, coach. You you helped me win every game we played. Mm. Like, if that's a result, great, man. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And that's a and I'm happy for Notre Dame. I'm happy for our players. But again, then what? Okay. You win a national championship, then what? You know, do you, you know, it's on to the next one, or is it just continuous about helping your players and the people you're uh, involved with have as much success as you can? Yeah. You know, you've been described as, as a player's coach. Um, you know, I have to check myself because you're you're only like a few years older than me. And I'm like, I'm talking to the head coach of, of Notre Dame and you're 35 years old. How do you how do you balance or, or integrate, if you will, uh, that relatability, that ability to connect with these young men uh, and, and also being kind of an authority figure? What does that look like for you? Yeah, I think sometimes we get coaches get this almost to me, it's a there's a worry that I can't be normal around my players. Like I can't be myself because I have to be this authority figure. I have to have them fear me. And, and that's not the way I believe in. I believe that I'm very clear with my expectations, right? If we have a team meeting or I'm saying something to the group, here's the expectations. Here's what and why I want you to do it here. It was good. You met the standard. You didn't meet the standard. You know, you got to challenge them. You got to push it. But I don't need them walking on eggshells around me. I don't need them to fear me. I'm going to be very honest. If I don't like something you're doing, I'm going to say, I don't like what you're doing. This is what I need you to do better. If I like what you're doing, I'm going to say, man, that's a great job, man. Continue to do what you're doing. Hmm. Now, when we're sitting in the lunch or cafeteria having a meal, I don't need to yell and scream at them or push them. Like, I want to be able to talk to them as people, as individuals. And so I think the ability to be relatable to your players, you know, and that they know, hey, Coach Rima is just a normal guy. You're dang right. Now, and I'm also a normal guy that my job is to lead. My job is to set standards. My job is to help you reach your goals. And so if you're not able to decipher from being a normal person and being able to sit with your players and and get to know them and trust them and and have that relationship with them and also lead them and push them and set standards, then you might have to pick and choose. For me, you know what? I just want to be who I am. I want to be Marcus Freeman as a person when I'm around my players, but at the same time, I also want to be very clear on the standards I have for them and be able to push them to reach those standards so they can achieve the goals that they want. Mm -hmm. Do you think, I mean, is there a connection there with fatherhood? Do you think like, not to say that your players are like your kids in the same sense, but it seems like you kind of need to be able to do uh, maybe have that kind of relationship with your kids. I do. I do. I think they're, that's the same thing. Like you can't yell and scream at your kids 24 hours a day or they're just, Actually, I think they'll just get numb to it. And for me, it's like the greatest display of love at times is discipline, right? Mm-hmm. You, know, you 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 discipline your kids so you don't see them repeat mistakes or you want to see them have more success. Same thing with our players. Like 
discipline. I believe in discipline and, and because I want the best for our players. But also I want them to be able to know that I'm here for you. I love you. I care about you. And that that to me is is sometimes shoulder to shoulder time, you know, or sometimes that might be just having a normal casual conversation. But the ability for them to feel like they can come into my office and talk to me or my kids can communicate with me and tell them, tell me how they really feel is important because you'll never know unless you're able to listen and, and, and kind of let your guard down. So they don't think that they're going to get yelled and screamed at every minute of the day. Yeah. I think that person ability, you've had a, an incredible, you know, recruiting class, your, your first kind of six months as head coach and Notre Dame obviously has a reputation for being a notoriously difficult place to recruit, with academics and and kind of, you know, unique sort of discipline requirements and all that. Uh, so how have you, I mean, what do you make of that reputation? How have you been able to, to kind of succeed? And I'm, I'm also curious, I don't know when you're, when you're talking to guys like the, the Catholic university thing, the Christian Catholic thing, how, how does that come up? And is that, is that kind of an obstacle or, or it can be, can it be an asset maybe? I've never really had the situation where it's been an obstacle for those of the Catholic faith or Christian faith. Like, it's been something that's been an added bonus for us. Like I, I truly believe I have a monopoly on college football. And when I say that, I say the ability to really play this game at the highest level, to compete against the best teams in the country, to be a team that made before last year, two of the last three playoffs. And, and you know, I, I believe that you can come to Notre Dame and compete against the best teams in the country and we'll continue to get better. But two, you know, it, it, it has the same academic rep reputation as the Ivy League schools, as your Northwesterns, your Dukes, your Stanfords, and some of those great academic institutions too. And so the ability to combine them both, I don't know if there's another place in the country right now that can do that. And so that's why, listen, only thing this place, it's hard to recruit because you can't recruit everybody. You can't. You have to be strategic in terms of, hey, does this person fit Notre Dame? But the ability to say yes or no early in the process can help you kind of focus on the guys that you believe will fit this place. And so if you're one of the best players in the country and you fit this place, then those are the guys we're going to go after. We're not because we're not just going to settle. And uh, mm. I mean, obviously, um, the results have shown our coach has done a really good job at recruiting. You know, I told some friends I was doing this interview and they all wanted to know things like, uh, you know, the the wide receiver depth chart and all, all kinds of football stuff like that. But my last question, you know, going into the season opener against, of course, your alma mater, Ohio State, uh, in a little bit, and really starting your first season as head coach, how can the Notre Dame uh, community far and wide, how can we uh, pray for you and support you? Well, I think it's just the ability to support our players. And, and you know, it's extremely difficult to be – a college student athlete right now in terms of with social media, in terms of with mental health and the times like they're normal human beings. The problem is, is that on social media, there's a lot of power, right? Given to different people's opinions in their eyes. And, and I try to encourage them all the time to, to not be overly concerned with that, but I think it's a lot easier said than done. And so, just to the fans and, and the people that, that read this article to support our players, good and the bad, blame the coaches. You know what <laughs> I mean? We're, we're big guys and, 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 you know, we get paid really good to, uh, to, to do this, this profession that we love. But those players, man, they give it everything they got, you know, continue to support them. Beautiful. 
Yeah, I wish you the best of luck. Thanks so much for your time and your, your leadership and your witness. Thank you, bro. Jonathan, thanks so much for this interview with Coach Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame University. Uh, we wish them luck in their games, and, and we appreciate the time you guys spent together. Remember, for more news, analysis, and commentary, check out the National Catholic Register online at ncregister.com. Thanks for joining us here on Register Radio on EWTN. For our producer, Jeff Burson, I'm Jeanette DeMello. Until next week, God bless you. Archbishop Cordelione talks about the National Catholic Register. The Register's content is so critically important in the society we're living in now. There's an absence of the practice of religion in public life. So all the more important is it for people to be reading the Register so that they can acquire more understanding of our Catholic faith. I've appreciated the catechetical benefits of the content of the Register. It presents very clear Catholic teaching in a way that is easily digestible. To get six free issues, order online at ncregister.com forward slash radio or call 800-421-3230 and mention code radio. That's ncregister.com forward slash radio or 800-421-3230 and mention code radio. Call or click today. The National Catholic Register. Read faithfully.